Welcome to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have a very, very special guest. I have the Director of Professional Development and Placement for the University of Central Florida, Mr. Lonnie Butcher himself. Lonnie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Daniel. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. I am so excited about this episode because if anybody knows what it takes for students to land their dream job, you are it, my friend. Uh, well, I, I, I try. I try. <laughs> Lonnie, so that title is, 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 is a big, big title, but what does that title mean? What's your job? Gotcha. So um, I am in charge of uh, the career professionalism classes that we have here in the College of Business. Um, uh, probably about five or six years ago, our college got a new dean. And one of the things about getting a new dean is that they come in with different ideas and um, one of his big ideas and one of his big uh, goals was around outcomes, professional outcomes for our students. Um, we had a major uh, curriculum revamp, and one of the things that we did was we added four one-credit career development classes that all of the students in our college have to take. And so my role sort of evolved in that I am the facilitator of those of those classes. Got it. And so you, every student needs to take four of those classes, which are their one credit courses. Mm -hmm. And what are the goals of the course? Gotcha. So the the overall goal of the classes is um, that that a student graduates with a job. We want want our students, when they hit graduation, to walk across the stage either with uh, a job that they've already secured, the opportunity to go to work for somebody, a job offer, uh, or a plan to start their own business. And really the, the, the classes then are all built around that goal so they're very actionable wow so now the university is taking action making sure and helping students Mm -hmm. be able to be placing them have a job after graduation do a lot of universities have such types of programs it's an interesting question um we're starting to see more and more of it a lot of traditionally a lot of colleges would have a student success or a career development Mm -hmm. class um, it would be a three-credit class. It would be an elective. There would be maybe 30 students. Um, and so your really good students would take it mm-hmm. so that they could get better. Um, our approach is a little bit different in that it's required for everybody. So our college has 8,500 stu- undergrad students. Every student in the, cl- in, the, in the college has to go through it. So my enrollments uh, for the four classes any given semester are around 4,000. Um, so every student has to go through that. Uh, the other thing is that a lot of times these classes are very conceptual. Our classes are very action-oriented. So students in my classes actually earn points for doing the things that we're teaching them ought to be a good thing for them to do. So instead of sitting in a class and saying, uh, for example, in order to network, you need to do these things. What we do is we actually give points for going out and networking. And so what other activities do students get points for? So I know gotcha. networking is one of them. Mm-hmm. and. At- at the end, you want them to land their job, but what are some of those activities that students will yeah. gain points for? Well, the, the, the tricky thing about the class is it's got a menu of about 60 different things that they can do. 
And they can do those activities over and over and over again. And it's everything from attending a workshop uh, in career services, attending a workshop in the college, going to student organization meetings, all the way up to attending career fairs, getting internships, um, doing informational interviews with managers, doing job shadows it, with people outside of their department, um, all the way up to participating in, in study abroad and different things like that. So it's, it's really designed, the, the, the courses are very intentionally designed to put students into action, mostly doing extracurricular activities that, that are going to benefit them. So you mentioned that there's a lot, it's like, a large uh, number of things that students can do to gain points. But have you seen a common factor of some of those activities leading to landing their dream job or their job? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. A lot of times our students are overwhelmed by the choices that they have. And so now that we've been doing this for about four years, we've been able to go back into the data and we actually identified four key activities that have a statistical relationship to a student having a job at the end. And so what are those four activities? Because now I think everybody wants to know. Yeah, well, these are, these are the big four that people ought to do. Uh, you've got attending a career expo. You've got having an internship. You have uh, having a mentor. And all three of those seem kind of, it, it would make right. sense. The fourth one was really surprising. It's volunteering. So community service. Community service and volunteering is, is a, key, a key activity. So those big four, I want to definitely talk a little bit more yeah. about each one of them because... At the end, the goal of this podcast is very similar to your goal, is to helping mm -hmm. students land their dream job. And if you say you've gone back and look at the data, and me being an analytical person myself, I love data, let's talk through why do you think community service was on that list? Yeah, so that's, that's, that was the one that, was, that surprised us. Um, but the thing is... What, what volunteerism does is it gives you transferable skills. Mm -hmm. So if you say, for example, that you want to manage projects at work, that's kind of the job that you want to do. Well, a volunteer experience, like a late cleanup uh, or running a, a fundraiser, those are projects. Right. And so you can gain a lot of really good relevant skills in an arena that may not be a workplace, but it's it's through volunteerism. So really what, what those what those students come out with is they come out with skills. The second thing that volunteerism does is it gives you a story. So it gives you something interesting that uh, you can tell an employer. Um, you know, an employer is going to want to know that you're an action-oriented person, mm -hmm. that, you're, that you're motivated, you have a sense of urgency, and you can tell that story through the volunteer projects that you've worked on. Makes sense. When I think about volunteering, what I share about volunteering to students is, I, I, when I tell them is, first they have to identify where they want to work, and I tell them to pick about, you know, no more than five companies. They have a very targeted, or I call it sniper approach. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I say is, most of the big companies have national nonprofits that they partner with across the board. So if PepsiCo, if you want to work at PepsiCo, they are very aligned with Feed the Children. Right. And so volunteering with Feed the Children, most likely you're going to run into people who work at PepsiCo. Most likely the people who run PepsiCo in the state are in the board of directors for their local chapter. So that is not only a great way to give back, but to also network with the employer that you want to work for. Yeah, you can you can identify, you know, if you identify an employer and you see what charities or what organizations they feel particularly strong about, uh, that it's a great way to do it. Not only that, but another way to look at it is, so a lot of companies have um, environmental 
activities right now. They have sustainability goals. If that's a particular interest to you, then go and do projects that deal with that topic, and then you're able to talk to that company about the work that you've done, Mm -hmm. the work that you've done in that arena. The key to all of this really is being able to develop the interpersonal skills, the communication skills that you need so that you can make these types of activities relevant and, 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 and valuable to you. It makes perfect sense. So we, we talked about the big four and so far we talked about community service. Uh-huh. Another one that you mentioned was mentoring. What, why yeah. mentoring is a very, you know, I can, for us it's obvious, but yeah. for some students it might not be. Why mentoring being on the big four? Yeah, men, mentoring is all about learning what you don't know. You know, is it, that, that's, uh, that's kind of the way that I, I, I like to describe my students. They don't know what they don't know. And what mentoring does is it gives you an opportunity to get feedback from somebody that, you know, has a has an interest in you, has an investment yeah. in you, and, and so where can st- students find mentors? Um, so the the best way to do it is to, you know, try to find somebody that you have someone in common with. So um, if you work, find a manager that maybe works in a department that you would like to work in someday. Um, if you are a student, um, you know, attend. Uh, workshops and talk to the speakers that come there. Those speakers didn't come because uh, somebody paid them an obscene amount of money. Uh, These are people that have an interest in students. And so, you know, maybe network, uh, find somebody that way. Um, If you don't have any connections, develop a LinkedIn profile, develop a LinkedIn persona, and start looking for alumni from your school. Look for people that were in your program. Um, Look for people that maybe have a similar story. if you go to, if bringing it back to a, a volunteer experience, uh, look at the professionals that are volunteering on that project with you and start to develop that. The, the thing about mentoring is that um, a mentoring relationship really is driven by the mentee. It's not driven by the mentor. Um, so the person who needs the help really has to be the one who kind of takes the lead in finding a person discussing what it is they need, what they want out of that relationship, and then ensuring that those things happen. Um, and that's what a lot of times what students forget is that they think that the mentor comes prepared with a, a briefcase yeah. full of advice that they're going to give them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, they're the ones who are responsible for making this relationship happen. That makes it, One of the things I always talk about is finding a mentor, finding someone who's achieved a goal that you want to achieve. Yeah. Because... No one does it alone, and if they've already done that goal, it's very easy for them to tell you and what mistakes they've made and how you can avoid some of them. And yeah. learning from someone who's done it is probably the best way for you to achieve any goal. Yeah, probably the hardest thing about mentoring um, is identifying and recognizing and then being able to articulate that you need help. Yeah. Um, you know, so often we, 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 again, students don't know what they don't know, so they don't know that they need help. Uh, recognizing your development opportunities and then being able to articulate to somebody that to somebody really takes a lot of self-assessment and understanding um, but once you reach that level then you can start looking right. for a mentor in a much more effective way and so the we talked about community service we talked about mentoring mm-hmm. career fairs or career expos was one of those big four yeah. as well yeah what i mean we know that you're going to be in front of a lot of employers but Tell me more about how this made it to the list. Yeah, so career expos are great because as a job seeker, if you're not leveraging a career expo, let's say you're just answering ads, you've got to do a lot of work to find the companies that have an interest in you and that have positions that you're qualified for. With a career expo, 
uh, an entity is actually bringing those people to you. So, for example, our campus here at UCF, we're a large campus, there are going to be over 200 employers at the Career wow. Expo. Um, and they are all looking for student entry-level type employees. So the, the, you, you skip the step of having to sort through the jobs that maybe you're not qualified for. Um, the other thing is that, as you know, in, um, uh, when, you're in, when you're communicating, um, real meaning a sm only a small part of, that part of that comes from the words that you use. A lot of it comes from body language, voice inflection. It comes from, from your physical presence there. And at a job fair, you're able to be there to deliver your message. It's not just the words that you're using in an email or in an application. It's your actual presentation of your story uh, that helps out. So if you've practiced, if you've prepared for that experience, you're going to present yourself in a much better way than you would if you're just sending an email. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot more to be said about, you know, going to a career expo and just because you attend a career expo is not guaranteed you're getting a job. There's yeah. a lot of prep work that goes behind it. And that's definitely a whole nother episode. Oh, yeah. But definitely wanted to touch point on because it's one of the big four. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is internships. And I yep. saved that one for last because I think you tell me you know the data, but I would believe that that is the best indicator of you getting a job after graduation. Yeah, it's internships really have probably over the last uh, 10 to a dozen years become so critical in, in getting your foot in the door and getting that, that first job. Um, a lot of companies look at them as a way to um, sort of sample the workforce. Um, in I, my experience is, is, is primarily with College of Business students, and companies, in a company's mind, this is sort of a pre-entry level employee. They're looking at, they're going to give them jobs, they're going to give them a project, they're going to, really what they're, they're trying to see, can you show up on time? Do you have a strong work ethic? Do you conduct, conduct yourself appropriately in the, in the workplace? Uh, can you work without supervision? That's really sort of the basic things. They're not looking for you to solve their largest strategic right. uh, problem. They're not looking for you to make that kind of impact yet. They're basically seeing, are you trainable? Can we teach this person? Does this person like working in our environment? Does this person you know, uh, uh, like our culture? And are they a good fit for us? So therefore, can we now invest in them and, and teach them the skills that they need in order to be successful in our business? So do you see more companies hiring interns because of being a cheap laborer or hiring interns because this is the best way for them to really fill out the student? Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll steal a line from uh, Peter Quill, bit of both. Um, they do want to, it is, it is a, a, a very cost-effective way to engage in a large number of entry-level employees, um, but it's also, it's, al it's also a good, a good training uh, tool. Training is very expensive. Uh, the cost of taking a, a, a brand new employee from entry, entry level mm -hmm. to you know, middle management or something is, 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 is outrageous. Uh, the things that you have to invest in and the things that you have to do. So a company is going to be very uh, conscious about making that investment in the right people. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a way to do that. But it's also for for a student, it's also going to be the best way that they can get a sample of it. So you know, you look at it, and a student may say, "Well, is it better for me to work? You know, to pick a field, know that I want to work in that field, and then do internships in that, or do I want to see what I like by doing?" A, a wide variety of internships. I kind of I get that that question sometimes. For students, it's actually good. For, either way is good. And and so you 
how many internships should a student do then? Um, enough. Is that, that's, I know that's a, that's kind of a cop out answer. Um, you should do enough to until you you figure out what it is you want to do, what kind of environment you like. Um, you know, it's like figuring out what flavor of pizza you really yeah. like. You know, you start you find the you find the the, the toppings you like, and then you eat that. Makes sense. Uh, so there, there's not really a set number that are going. I I I, I kind of make light of it, but. There's not a set number of internships you should do. You should do enough to know what you're capable of doing mm -hmm. and what environment you're going to really enjoy and be successful working in. So we talked about the importance of internships. Mm -hmm. How do students find internships? Yeah. So em employers are going to be on campus. Uh, if a student is a traditional student and they're looking for for um, uh, and they're looking for an internship, they're looking for that first opportunity. Attend the internships fairs. Attend the career expos. Um, you know, go to go to the workshops that your career services office uh, offers, and talk to the employers there. You know, if you know that you want to, you were talking about PepsiCo earlier and their and their internship. Um, if you know that that's a company that you want to work for, and PepsiCo is going to be on campus doing a workshop on um, interview skills, go to that go to that workshop, attend that workshop, and then at the end of the workshop, go up, thank the the speaker for their participation, let them know what you know about them, and start that conversation. Um, so anytime that company is on is on campus, you know, have that interaction with them. Um, LinkedIn has has. Uh, listings for internships, so their job search function is good. Um, and, you know, honestly, let people know that you're looking for one. Uh, my students go out to, to networking events a lot of times for points, and there'll be business owners of very small businesses and stuff like that, and they'll let the business owner know, you know, hey, I'm looking to get some experience working in finance, or I'm looking to get some experience working in this field. And that could start up a conversation, and you could develop an internship opportunity that wasn't posted wasn't and that would be great one of the one of the shockers when you were sharing that that list with me i was shocked that networking wasn't on the list yeah yeah that's a great you know that's a great observation so there are certain things that are sort of the basis the foundation for all of these so what i say to that is you've got to be a good networker to be able to do those activities effectively um, networking requires communication skills. It requires the ability to make a connection with somebody, to hold a conversation, those things. And you've got to be able to do that to tell your story at a career fair. You've got to be able to do that to um, identify and connect with an individual who's going to be your mentor. Um, you've got to be able to do that to get more out of the volunteer experience than just doing the lake cleanup. So there are certain things that really are sort of the basis for doing those things well. Is there any um, other activities that didn't make the top four that mm -hmm. you think that students should definitely keep in mind as well? Yeah. So uh, regarding that, you know, your your point earlier about about networking is is definitely one of them. Those are the skill. Those are then the activities that I say I tell students do those early. So do informational interviews early. Um, you know, volunteer and and go do job shadows early. Use those as the uh, activities that will then build the skills that you can use as a foundation so that when you're ready to do the others, you're prepared and you're going to do them effectively. I'm going to, I just thought of a really good question uh -huh. that I get a lot of feedback from students is they try to go and apply their, for their first internship with, you know, with some fortune 50 companies. Uh -huh. And some of the feedback that they get is you don't have enough experience. Yeah. So 
where do you start when you don't have enough experience? <laughs> so, so you know, what I, what I tell those students is a lot of times what they're doing is they're, they're applying for really highly competitive uh, internships. Those internships have a national footprint. So a company like a, uh, you know, you look at a, at a, at a national brand company and they have a highly, highly attractive uh, internship, they're going to be recruiting from every campus across the nation. Uh, they're going to be looking at the top. What you want to do is get a, maybe a smaller internship with a smaller company where you can gain the experience that will make you a better candidate for that internship yeah. later on. Um, you know, for the most part, the, the, those those examples are going to be not quite as prevalent as the the number of internships that really do exist on the local level. That kind of thing that can that can build the skills if you don't have uh, a lot of experience. The other thing I would tell people is look at the work experience that they do have. So if you've been a cashier for Publix since you were in high school, and you say, well, gee, all I did was, was you know, all I've done is I've been a cashier with Publix. Yeah. No, no. You know, you've, you've developed good customer service skills. Uh, do you show up for work on time? Do you uh, project a positive work, uh, a, a positive attitude in, your, in the workplace? Those things are, are, those are skills, those are qualities that you need to make sure that you're letting people know about. You're going to get traction out of those skills, even if you don't think that the position is all that glamorous. All right, Elaine, so I have one, one main last question for yeah. you. If you were starting college today, yeah. or, or your son was starting college, I know you, you, have, you have a son, what advice would you give him? God, well, you know, it's funny. You, you brought up my son. He's 22. Uh, he, we were here just a couple of years <laughs> ago. Um, the biggest piece of advice I can give you, have a solid goal. Um, and develop it based on research. Don't just say, oh, I want to be a, an investment banker um, in, you know, I, I want to be an investment banker. Uh, know what that means. What are the duties? What are the things that you want to do? Don't do it, don't set a goal in terms of a job title or a noun. Set a goal in terms of verbs. What is it that you want to do? And really do some research around that and know what you're, what, what you're able to do. Once you're able to do that, then the job will come to you. That will also give a lot of direction to the, the types of activities that you do after all. But if you don't have that goal, man, it's like, it's like going on vacation and not knowing where you want to go. You just get in your car and you're sitting in the, in the driveway going, I guess I'll turn left. I don't know. Lonnie, is there any question that you wish I would have asked you or that you would want the audience to know? Um, you know, so this is one that I get a lot. And it's, it's why do I do this? Um, and I will tell you why. Um, I, I, I find it ironic that I teach a class where I push students to do everything I didn't do. I was the antithesis of what I, what I try to teach my students to do. And, and you know, I, I don't say that to, to pound my chest or anything. I know the struggle that comes from that. You know, I, I graduated not really knowing what my major field was all about. Um, I went into a career not really knowing what it took to be successful in that career. I didn't get a mentor. Um, I didn't do the things that I really pushed students to do. And as a result, for probably the first 10 years of my career, I floundered and made a lot of mistakes. And so, you know, I do this. The reason I do this is because I know the struggles that come from not doing it. And I want to make that better for my students. And I would tell you that you definitely make an impact with those students because the ones that I run into that take your classes, which is a lot of them, 
are very grateful for what you do because you make a very big impact in the, just the university, which the university makes an impact in the community. Yeah. So you're making a big difference. And, and Lonnie, thank you very much, not only for agreeing to be on the podcast with me, but you know for that advice that maybe you know or don't know that I learn from you on a, on a yearly basis every time that we talk. Uh, you're definitely very, very knowledgeable on this skill, and I really appreciate you. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the awesome things we're doing here. I wish everybody would do it. <laughs> I think that's going that way. I hope so. Thank you from the bottom of my heart from taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to this episode. I truly hope that you loved it as much as I enjoyed making and creating this content for you. My goal is to provide content that's going to help you master college and land your dream job. So if this helped you and if you know someone that should listen to this podcast, please, please share it with them. Nothing will make me happier than to see this podcast grow and make this community bigger so that we can help every student be able to graduate with their dream job. And I hope to see you guys in the next episode.